Welcome to Two Pizza Marketing, a podcast for small team marketers. You might have heard of the two pizza rule, which says the most agile, effective teams are ones small enough to only need two pizzas for a team meeting. On this podcast, every episode will be a candid, relatable conversation with a small team marketer, someone who is creating success on a scrappy level, learning from failures, and trying to stay sane. Whether you're on a team of one or eight, or you're wanting to join a small marketing team, this show is for you. Hi, everyone. Thank you so much for joining Two Pizza Marketing today. I am absolutely thrilled to be here with Kathleen Booth, who for me has been an inspiration in not only the world of marketing, but the world of podcasting as well. Um, If you don't already know, Kathleen hosts the amazing Inbound Success podcast, and she is what I would like to say a serial repeat offender in startup marketing, or maybe not startup marketing, small team marketing. Um, So Kathleen, do you want to say a little hello to the audience and uh, introduce yourself a bit further? Hey, everybody. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited to be here. Thanks for having me, Melissa. Um, I am like a moth to the flame when it comes to working in startups. Um, uh, you know, I, I started, well, I started my marketing career. I've had a kind of an interesting career path. I, I worked in a different field before going into marketing. But when I came into marketing, I started an agency. So I was an entrepreneur for 11 years. Um, owned my company, had a second startup during that time. And then I sold that company in 2017. And, and I think that my history as an entrepreneur is why I love the early stage so much. I love the building and the creation and the excitement and energy that comes with it. And so, yeah, since 2017, I've been head of marketing at a whole series of different early stage companies, mostly in the B2B technology space. Absolutely. And I think um, that that's exactly what I'd like to dive into today is maybe why we keep coming back, right? Like that's really going to be what we dig into today. I'm sure you and I can talk marketing strategies all day long, but I think some of our listeners are actually here to think about potentially even transitioning into a career in small team, you know, moving from a larger company or maybe even starting their careers. So I really want to get into why small team marketing, right? Like why is it such a thing that brings you back to that flame? Um, I guess we'll just start really broadly. You mentioned the energy and the pace. Is there anything else that really draws you to working with small teams? Um, I'm sure I could go on too, but I'd love to hear your take. Yeah. I mean, there's a bunch of things, right? Um, I think as, as somebody who loves marketing, one of the things that really appeals to me about coming in to a small team or even building a team from scratch, which I've done a bunch of times is very often it's like molding raw clay, right? Like Unlike going into a company where you might have a large marketing team that's well-established, you know, when you have that scenario, it comes with status quo, right? Mm-hmm. It comes with existing processes and culture and strategies and, and ways of doing things. And sometimes the status quo isn't great or it's not the way you would want it. And so coming in early stage or coming into a small team, very often you have the ability to mold that clay exactly like you want it to be. And I love that. I love coming in and, and being able to create a team culture that I think is really positive. I love being able to work on that really important early stage work of defining brands and vision and mission and values and kind of looking at how you, you bleed that into everything that you're doing as a company and as a marketing team. Um, 
And then I also just love hiring and mentoring. And I think at an early stage, you have such an opportunity to do that in a hands-on way. So there are a lot of reasons, but that's just a little smattering. Absolutely. And, you know, to your point about mentoring, I, I think that entrepreneurial spirit that you mentioned, how it all ties in. I know you've done mentoring in terms of, you know, through other programs, as well as just creating the own teams that you're on. What role do you think marketing, or sorry, mentoring plays in this kind of smaller environment? Because I do think it's a critical piece of, you know, how we learn in the small teams and how we hire in the small teams. What have you done in the mentoring space or how has that really shaped kind of the, the workspace component of your, of your role over time? Yeah. I mean, it's hugely important because if you're in a very large company, often you have really structured onboarding, really structured professional development programs that spring up internally from within the company and, and that have been proven and, and established over time. You don't have that in small, small teams or certainly small companies. Um, so mentorship very often is the only form of at least internal professional development available to employees, um, you know, and you're working very closely with the people that you hire. And so it's really important that for, for you, particularly as a marketing leader to invest in mentorship, if you want to attract and keep the best people, because, you know, you're going to be hiring people with all different skill levels, all different experience levels. And these people, especially in today's job market, have a lot of choices about where to work. Um, and you know, the best people are going to be ambitious. They're going to want to learn. They're going to want to be challenged and prevent, presented with opportunities. Um, and in the absence of, of a large organization that would naturally take care of those things on its own, I think you as a team leader have a responsibility to deliver that experience to people in, in any way you can. And that's where mentorship really comes in. Um, you know, I think that we're fortunate that, that also in this day and age, there are a lot of outside organizations that have sprung up communities and other things that can provide mentorship. The group that you started is a great example of that. And, and I think, so not only do you need to provide internal mentorship, but you need to really push and, and help and facilitate your team in finding those outside mentors that can supplement what they're learning from you. I think that's so great. I have a personal follow-up question for you. Sorry, <laughs> audience, you got to go with my questions here. But I think um, to your point about the communities, there's a lot of kind of peer mentorship available. What have you seen in terms of a little more formalized mentorship? I think it's almost harder in today's day and age. I don't, maybe like people coming into the role think they know a lot, but I do think there's a huge value in actually having a more formalized literally a mentor that you can call and sit down with or have more regular. Have you seen that in action? Have you, have you seen how that works well? Or maybe, maybe I'm off. Maybe that's not, not the way of doing things. These days. I have seen it and I've seen it work both well and not well. Okay. Um, and, and I hate to say this, but the, honestly, the distinguishing factor is payment. Um, and I don't think it always needs to be, but in my experience, there have been mentorship relationships where I've both been a mentee and a mentor, um, and where there was no kind of payment involved, there just was a lack of accountability. Like I've mentored people who have not paid me. And, and I mean, I at least feel like I was being accountable. I mean, I wouldn't have done it if I, if I didn't, but you know, I would, I would sort of give them goals and objectives or task them with things. And it 
they would just never do it. I had one CEO that I was mentoring at one point and I would meet with him monthly and nothing ever happened in between our meetings. And I was like, this is not a good use of my time or yours, frankly. Um, you know, and I've been a mentee and similarly, um, it's really hard to get somebody's attention regularly if there's, you know, nothing in it for them. And, and this sounds really kind of um, jaded to say, but in, in the relationships I've been in where there's been some form of monetary consideration, uh, the level of accountability has been much higher. So I've worked as an advisor or fractional CMO or mentor, and, and there's a definite level of accountability there. You have an obligation to deliver. The client has an obligation to make the best use of their investment. Um, and so that there tends to be better follow-through. Now, having said that, I don't think you have to always pay but at the heart of what I just really said is the issue of accountability. And if you're going to enter into a mentoring relationship, whether you're receiving mentorship or giving it, that is a conversation that you have to have up front and you have to be really honest. If there's not going to be payment involved, what are we committing to? Let's be very specific. How are we going to hold each other accountable? And if one of us is not following through, what's going to be the trigger that says maybe this it's the time to end this relationship? I think that's spot on. I mean, it, it's, it isn't callous. It's more that if you focus on the accountability versus necessarily payment as accountability, absolutely. I mean, to your point earlier, there are plenty of places where you can go from a community standpoint to get answers or to get more information or to get learning podcasts, communities, all of that. But if you're really going to set up a specific mentor mentee relationship, yeah, account putting something in place expectations wise for accountability. Um, I, I mentally, I'm going to circle back to the small team aspect. And what you've just kind of told us is one of the things that a leader in the small team has to bring is some connection to mentoring, to bringing people up to training because it's, it's a, a scrappy environment. Is there, let's think of something else that doesn't exist in the small team world that leadership often has to bring. Like what have you, when you've come into a company and you've said, wow, we don't have X because we're not, you know working at some massive company. We are missing yeah. this. What are those things as a leader? You're like, oh, okay, we're missing this. I've got to bring it because- um, Oh my gosh. <laughs> like everything, right? Yeah. There's often very little there. Um, and one of the biggest things I, I see is process. Mm. Um, there's usually no established processes and, and that's, you know, normal because teams- teams sort of operate, there's institutional memory, there's, there's norms that people understand or, or how we do things. But in order to grow, you have to formalize that. And it's funny, when I owned my agency, I used to do this, this group exercise. Uh, we did this at our leadership or at our company retreat one year and to demonstrate why process is so important. Because a lot of people hear the word process in their eyes role and they think, oh my God, how boring. It's going to slow me down. Why should we do this? We got to be moving fast. So have you ever heard of cup stacking? The one where they like go super fast and yes, it's, it's, it's like seconds and it's, yes, I've seen it. Mm -hmm. It's unbelievable. Like if, and if you're listening and you haven't heard of this, you got to Google it. And there's like these world championship events where people come and, and the whole idea is they're given, like, think of it as though you have stacks, just like you have a pile of red solo cups and your job is to stack the red solo cups into a pyramid, a perfect pyramid, and then to unstack them, yeah, like yep. put them back in their original piles, um, which seems really dumb and basic, but 
but the speed with which people do this cup stacking is absolutely mind boggling. And, um, and so a great exercise that I once did with my team was I gave everybody a pile of red solo cups and I divided them into teams of two. And we had a competition to see which team of two could stack the cups into the perfect pyramid the fastest and then take it back down and put it in its piles. And I think we might've had like four teams. We did the first round and it was hysterical and a ton of fun. And we picked the two fastest groups to go to a playoff. And the two fastest groups then did it a second time and both of them improved their times. And it was really interesting at, at the end we talked, and this is before I told them why we were doing this exercise. We talked about like, how did you improve your time? What was it that led to you being so fast? And, and it all came down to like, well, we noticed that when we did X, we were able to move more quickly. Like I would take the cups out of the pile and I would hand them to her and she would stack or, you know, things along those lines. And it was basically came down to process. And the point is that like, the, the the better a process you have and the and the more consistently you follow it, the faster you're actually going to go. Hmm. And so that's one thing I, I tend to work on a lot with teams and it, it requires like bringing them along and, and helping them understand why it's so important. Like, yes, you have to move fast in early stages, but documenting processes, following them, having that there is actually going to help us move faster. And so while it may seem like a pain and may seem like it's slowing us down to do this documentation in the end, it's going to speed us up. And my husband's famous for saying, sometimes you got to slow down to speed up. And I think that that so applies here. Slow is smooth, smooth is fast. That's I remember my coach, you know, it's funny. I'm, I'm applying this to one thing we're doing now too, which is that observation, which is you didn't tell them to write a process and do it before they did it the first time. Right. You said, go out and do it. And then note what went well yes. and turn it into a process. I have seen a company or two where they start at the beginning and say, here's the process. This is the process. And then we try to do it. And it's so far off. So I love not only the idea of the process, but also this idea of like, let the team run for a little bit, note what works and then turn that into the process. I think that's so powerful. Yeah. You're spot on. And that's what I usually tell people is you're already doing all of these things. So the next time you do it, like the next time you publish a blog, just write down what you're doing as you do it. Cause you have the process. It's just not documented anywhere. Yeah. And then every so often go in and that actually maybe brings us back to one of my favorite things about small team marketing, which is you have the freedom to do that. You're not plugged into the you know cog in the wheel where it's like, I got to go in this one direction. Every time you have the ability to say to your team and to do for yourself to say, wow, that actually worked well. Let's do that. Um, I'm uh, that's one of the, the key drivers for me is that kind of autonomy to, to do something new and move. Um, tell me a little bit about the difference that you've seen and the different, different sizes of teams you've worked in. Cause I think you're going to maybe let us know you may be going somewhere new and we can't know where it is yet, but I think you've seen smaller and larger teams. Where are you at with, with the different um, sizes of teams that you've worked with and, and your take on those. Yeah. I mean, I've, I have really run the gamut. So when I had my agency, I think at our largest, we were 13 people. Mm-hmm. Um, the role that I'm about to start in the next few weeks is going to be between a team of between 13 and 15. But in the last few years, there have been situations where I've come into companies and I'm the only marketer yeah. working with a bunch of freelancers, or I have a team of, uh, I think in my last company, I had a team of three people. So been there, done that (laughs) at every stage. Um, And, 
you know, the larger the team, the more the marketing leader's role boils down to strategy and then like hiring and people management versus the smaller teams, you know, you're, you're doing strategy, maybe hiring and people management, but you're doing a lot of actual work. Um, and I, I do like that about the early stages and the smaller teams. I think it keeps your saw sharp, right? Like the more you're able to, to get in the weeds, not all the time, but I think every leader should spend a little bit of time in the trenches doing work to really understand what's working, what's not working to see opportunities. It gives you better visibility into things. And so I think all of that has made me a stronger leader. The other thing about like being in the weeds like that is that you got to learn how to do a lot of different things. And it's funny as you know, I interview for the roles are typically like CMO or VP of marketing or what have you. And the question that I always get asked by, and it's usually asked by either CEOs or investors who like, if I get to the stage in an interview process from um, interviewing at the board and they'll almost always ask, what's your marketing superpower? What kind of a marketer are you? And they want to put you in a box. Are you a demand gen marketer or a product marketer or brand or comms, et cetera? And, and definitely I have a strong demand gen background, but having been an early stage head of marketing, I have had to do everything, you know, like I didn't have people who could be like, oh, I'm going to own brand for you because you're not good at it. Or I'll do the product marketing because that's not your strength. No, like you have to learn how to do everything. And you, you may not be the best in the world at all of those things, but it's such a cool thing about the early stages and the small teams is that you really get to learn a ton. Um, and it makes you a very nimble marketer uh, as your career advances because you've done a little bit of everything. Oh God, that resonates very deeply. So here's a fun question. No interviewing pressure tied to this. What is your favorite thing to do? Not what kind of a marketer are you, but if you were just like, boy, I really love doing it. Like maybe, you know, we won't put you in a bucket for one or the other, but if you just had an hour in your day and you only had one hour and you wanted to enjoy it, because frankly, at, at, at this level, we love what we're doing. Um, what would you do that was that you actually really love doing the most? Get, get I your- mean- I, I think it's a toss up between like actually the working on strategy. Cause I love, I love being presented with a problem and, and figuring out a solution. And so I do love sitting down and thinking like, okay, this is the product. Here's the audience. This is the brand that we want to convey. Like, how are we going to do that? And that, that big picture thinking is so much fun. Um, but then I also do enjoy the kind of the vision, mission, values side of marketing. Uh, I just believe so strongly. And this is ironic because again, back to that interview question, I, I do always say like probably my top strength is demand gen. Yeah. And I, cause I did it my whole career, right? But the thing I'm most passionate about is brand. Just yeah. cause I feel like today, that's really what sets companies apart. The companies that have brands that people love are the ones that that get mentioned and, and get the at-bats and have that virality. Absolutely. And that's probably the, the reason why, another reason why small team marketing is fun is similar. Like my background is more in paid and, and search, like it's very targeted, but boy, oh boy, if I could spend all day with content strategy, I probably would, you know, it's what is your superpower, but also what really kind of lights your fire, I think is a nice way to, nice way to think of it. Yeah, definitely. Now, kind of one final question. I know these episodes are short, but you also have to balance life with work. I know you've got kids, you've got family, you have interests outside of work. 
And as a small team marketer, I think there's always something more to do, right? Like one of the things I always struggle with is, well, there's always more work to be done. How have you um, found some balance or, or not? You can be honest with us. Um, how do you, you know, find that balance and or make the place for what's really important to you um, across the whole, you know, the whole of Kathleen versus just Kathleen at work? Yeah, I mean, it's a great question. And I think the answer is different for everyone. And there is no one right answer. So please, anyone listening, don't take what I'm about to say as the way to do things. It's just what what I do. Um, I do love marketing. And so I definitely will do work outside of working hours. I mean, I, I set an expectation with my team that I am like nine, call it to 530 is when I'm generally available. Um, and, but I, and that's when I will talk to my team, communicate with them outside of that. I still love to, to read. I will definitely open up my laptop at night and check emails and go through my inbox and maybe tackle a thing or two, just because it de-stresses me to know that I'm going to wake up the next morning and not be staring at, you know, a big to-do list. So, and I'll do some stuff on the weekends too, but, but that's all my choice and, and I enjoy it all. And what it's what works to reduce my stress level. Um, now, having said that, there are also times during the week when I will, you know, go to my son's school and, and do something there or take him to sports. Like right after this, I'm taking him to um, his sailing team tryout. And so I think we're very fortunate that we live at a time when it's become more acceptable mm -hmm. to have what I think used to be called a results only work environment, where if you're producing most companies today, at least certainly most high growth companies are willing to trust you to work at the pace and schedule that works best for you. And, and I think that's awesome. Yeah. I think we we're very fortunate in that as well. I had an amazing mentor at one point and I, it was actually when I had my second child and they were very young and he, I, I was worried, you know, do I need to go part-time? Do I need to leave? And he said, you know, I know you, you do three times the job. He's like, just do one time the job and spend yeah. time on what you need to. And I mean, what a, a you know, forward thinking perspective that was probably, oh, it's gotta be 11 years ago now, but um you know, I think to your point, especially the remote environment makes that more so, which is give me the results, deliver some results. Um, and then when you do that timing wise or balance wise, having that autonomy in the, in the way we approach things is so great. For yeah, sure. absolutely. Well, I want to keep us on track. I know these are short episodes, but I'm so grateful for your time today. I'm, I know that anyone who's listening today will also want to follow Inbound Success Podcast and, and follow you online. Do you want to tell us where's the best place to, um, besides the podcast, of course? Sure. Yeah. The, the, um, there's really two places. I would say you can go to my personal website, which is kathleen-booth.com and you'll find the podcast there as well as links to most other things. And then I'm really pretty active on LinkedIn and I love connecting with people there. So just reach out and mention that you heard me on this podcast. So great. Thank you so much. I think you're an inspiration for me. And we love that you keep coming back to small team marketing because that means it is as great as the rest of us believe it to be. It is something that um, fans of flames, as you said. So thanks, thanks for being here, Kathleen. This yeah. was a ton of fun. Thank you. Hey, Two Pizza Marketer. Thanks for joining us today. If you have any questions or topics to suggest, we are always happy to hear from you. So send us an email at two, that's the number two, pizzamarketers at gmail.com or find us on Linktree at Two Pizza Marketing. Until next time, keep having fun and try to stay sane in the marvelous mess that is Two Pizza Marketing.